Welcome to episode 51 of the Shanna Plan episode Aziz Al Shire. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined by my co-host Akash. Akash, what is going on? What's going on, KP? A little jealous. You've got boots on the ground at 49ers training camp. You've got all the intel, the inside information, You've got all the scoops. And so we're excited to talk through all that stuff on today's episode. It's fun. I'm not going to lie, man. It's it's a lot. So watching football is one thing. Watching the football at the NFL level is a whole other thing. And just seeing different perspectives, I actually appreciate that. You know, we're, we can see, and that's kind of the beauty of football is, you know, I can watch something, you can watch something, Rob can watch something, and we could all come away with different takeaways. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And um, some of our stats may be off, but um, it, it's entertaining and got a few more days to go. So looking forward to it. Speaking of Aziz Alshire, he suffered a pretty scary or what seemed to be a pretty significant injury on Monday. We're going to do a quick rundown of the 49ers injuries. So it's it hasn't been a week yet. Knock on wood, there have not been any significant injuries, and hopefully it stays that way. So I made it out of practice uh, with pads on after one day. But Aziz Alshire went down with what looked to be like a season-ending injury. Like, it looked bad, bad. But the team got a diagnosis on Tuesday, and he's now only going to miss a few weeks, maybe two, maybe three weeks, with a knee sprain. So uh, Shannon said there's not going to be any long-term damage that the team fears like or uh, they're not he's not going to suffer from any long-term damage so that's good because Ashire has looked good he has looked a lot more comfortable he's looked more athletic Debo Samuel did not practice on Tuesday either and that was the first time he has and it wasn't a, a maintenance day because some of the guys like Nick Bosa George Kittle have received those but Debo Samuel had some growing soreness and you know, Shanahan's playing it down like teams just being precautionary, so there's nothing to worry about. I did see Samuel joking with Fred Warner after practice, and he didn't have any sort of limp in his gait, so that might matter. But, you know, he has suffered from these little injuries, so I don't know, man. It's uh, I, on, on the one hand, I want to say it's not a big deal, but you just never know with these guys. So hopefully he's back out there tomorrow looking as fast as he has been because – he is a very good player, and he makes this team just more dangerous in general. Um, a few other injuries. Dante Johnson, Tim Harris, Emmanuel Mosley all are out for different reasons. Mosley's on the reserve COVID list. Jalen Hurd, who did not practice on Friday, did not practice on Saturday. And once that happened, eyebrows raised. People thought maybe the Jalen Hurd hype train was over before it started for the third year in a row. That was not the case. So luckily, Hurd was not only out there an individual during Tuesday, he actually snuck into some team drills. So uh, that was cool to see him just in contact. He didn't receive any targets or anything, but just to see him run routes, you know, have physical contact and respond well was good to see. So hopefully he's working more and more with the ones and the twos as practice keeps going. Um, speaking of injuries, D Ford, he has looked really, really, really good. He looks fresh. He looks like a player that the 49ers can count on. And, you know, we talked about, you know, will he even play? Like, will the team get anything out of him this season? And now it looks like he's not only going to play, he's going to contribute a lot. So that's really good news for the 49ers. Um, Nick Bosa has yet to step onto the field during team drills. Uh, he's off running. He's on the sideline running when the team does go to team drills. Looks good. Looks fast. Looks like an action figure. So, 
Uh, nothing really to worry about there. I think they're just going to be cautious with him. And Juwan Jennings is supposed to come back sooner than later, too. But so the, the injury list is short, and that's good. Hopefully it's like that. But you do not care about that. You guys want to hear about the quarterback. So we are going to talk about that. Um, Trey Lance versus Jimmy Garoppolo. As of so from Wednesday through Tuesday, Trey Lance has received the one rep with the first team. Naturally, everybody exploded and lost their minds after that one rep. So this was just and the way when people see this, they think, oh, he's throwing to George Kittle and Brandon. Ayuk. And to just to clarify, the wide receivers and just the skill guys in general, they're working with every quarterback. So Ayuk's catching passes from Nate Sudfield. He's catching passes from Jimmy G. Uh, he's all over the place. So don't judge it by that. Just judge it by who the offensive line is. Trey Lance took a snap from Alex Mack. That is what matters far more than whoever he's throwing the passes to. So that was just, you know, a designed run that the Kyle Shannon said he wanted to see Lance and how it looked with the starters, because that's probably what he's going to do. But let's just start there and leave it there because he's gone out of his way so far early on in training camp to tell the public, I'm going to run the ball with Trey Lance. He's all but said that. And that's essentially the only time he really hypes him up is when he's talking about on the ground. And it feels like he just wants the Lions, the Eagles, and every other team in the NFL to know you're going to have to spend time preparing for my running package with Trey Lance. That's a good point. And just back to what Kyle Shanahan has kind of said about Trey Lance, it, it feels very muted. Um, he's been that way with rookies and the younger players on this team in the past, whether it's been Dante Pettis or Brandon Ayuk um, or Akella Witherspoon. He's typically gone out of his way when he's had, you know, media sessions or press conferences to be more, you know, uh, critical of these players and not as complimentary. And it's kind of been the same way with Trey Lance. He's tried really hard despite the questions that he's constantly peppered with to not anoint him as anything or to not publicly credit him for what he's done during training camp. And you've seen it, right? And you thought today was his most impressive outing. Yet even after today's, uh, you know, spectacular throw or whatever, Kyle Shanahan was still kind of hesitant to throw that praise on him. And he's kind of slow playing the whole thing. And yeah, like you mentioned, I think the running package or the running element is what Shanahan has most talked about. And I think it's what most of us anticipate uh, Trey Lance being used as at least early in the season until if and when he becomes the starting quarterback for this team to be used as you know a short down or a third down or a red zone kind of runner we anticipate there to be like a Trey Lance package in the offense and you know Jimmy Garoppolo to step off the field on certain uh, plays or certain snaps and Trey Lance to get those reps and I think that'll only integrate him into the offense more it'll get him more comfortable with you know taking snaps from Alex Mack or just playing in different game situations. And that's how they'll integrate him early on. And the other thing is if you're a defensive coordinator that's playing against the 49ers offense, now not only do you have to prepare for, you know, the Jimmy Garoppolo short game aerial passing attack, you're going to also have to prepare for Trey Lance's running rushing attack. And the more things that defensive coordinators have to worry about, that's more more the advantage to Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, and his offensive staff, right? They've got more things to throw out at opposing defense, and that's just going to cause more headaches. So I think that's what we're going to see early on. I think a lot of the plays so far during camp, if I, you know, I'm not there, but just from reading between the lines, it sounds like a lot more running plays for Trey Lance than passing plays. Is that correct? Yeah, so the first time he comes in the game, it's a run. 
And the first few days, it was just like a simple zone read. And I say simple, like he's not gaining yards because he's just faster than the people that are trying to tackle him. But um, today it kind of evolved. So it was a play called Bash, where if you just think of inside zone where the quarterback hands it off, uh, in this, in Bash, the running back is running parallel to the line of scrimmage like he's running a sweep. And he's running away from, in the, or sorry, I should say, in the opposite direction of a pulling guard. And Lance is now running inside zone so he's they're essentially they're switching they're swapping roles right yeah. yep and and that's pretty interesting because um obviously you see the running back go lateral the linebackers go that direction too and it led to in during tuesday's practice like two big big gains for lance and you know he has the speed to get on the edge but if he can make that happen if they're going to run him up the middle because that was my first thought is when are we going to see more but that was like the third practice so um with the running package with him is going to be very tough to take him off the field because if they just do it at midfield, say it's not even in the red zone near the goal line, if it's third and three and Trey Lance runs like bash or runs some kind of QB counter up the middle, he's going to get a lot of yards based on everything that we saw today. So if that's the case, uh, and knowing that the, the pack, the current package for Trey Lance is like those QB runs it's zone read, and they're running RPOs where he just fakes like he's handing off, pulls it, throws like a slant or a backside slant. No, like it's open every time. There's nothing that you can do because you have to respect his running ability, so you have to bite on the play action. Um, and then there's an option that he's going to give it to the running back. So the second level of the defense comes up, and then it just opens the, the parts like a red sea, man. It's really difficult to stop. So if, his- if he's – Go ahead. I was going to say, his athleticism provides an extra gear for this offense that they just haven't had, right? The 49ers Absolutely. as a team hasn't ha- haven't had that since Colin Kaepernick. Kyle Shanahan as a coach hasn't had that since Robert Griffin III. And I think it's just going to be exciting to watch, especially when they hit preseason. I get preseason is going to be vanilla. They're not going to implement a lot of the stuff that they would do in the regular season. But just to get a taste for defenses having to respect Trey Lance's athleticism or Raheem Mostert's athleticism, as well as, you know, a Brandon Ayuk who's who'd be running behind the linebackers right now. You've got all these things that defenses have to account for. And I think it's just going to make that much more of a headache for opposing coordinators. Yeah. You've kind of seen it unfold. So the first effort, the first day, it was the running backs getting bigger running lanes because the defense is overreacting to Trey Lance keeping it. And lately it's been the passing lanes, the throwing lanes have just been so easy because again, there's nobody over the middle of the field and that's just very tough to do. But as far as throwing, and I feel like Trey Lance is just being a bit overhyped in that sense because he, he had the pro day throw is what I'll call it. Uh, which was the big long touchdown to Trent Sherfield. But outside of that, he, I mean, he, he's hitting receivers, but there, there wasn't really anything that made you go like, wow, it's a lot of in the line of scrimmage in the box. So, or close to the line of scrimmage, I should say um, nothing, you know, too extravagant. I feel like we're getting caught up in, you know, the, the one wow play and not being consistent because there's a lot of times where Jimmy's outplaying him. And there's a lot of times where it just feels like it's even, but you, Jimmy's lacking the wild play, and that is the big difference. And I completely understand, you know, why you're going to remember that wild play. Whereas, you know, if we just break down what Jimmy – like, for for example, in practice on Tuesday, Jimmy was 9 for 15. He had a ball where he threw it right to Jimmy Ward and right in between um, 
or he did he threw it to George Kittle on a corner route, didn't see the underneath defender, go figure, and it should have been an interception, and Jimmy Ward tipped it. There was another play where Brandon Ayuk was isolated on a linebacker, and it was a slant, and it should have been a big, big gain. It was just enough behind him where Ayuk should have caught the ball, and I do not um, would not argue anybody on that, but if the ball is out in front of him, it's a big gain, and he's probably still running. So those are the little things you see where there's still being plays left on the field, and that just doesn't happen with the rookie quarterback, man, which is why uh, you're starting to see, like, the Lance hype just take off and not so much take off, but just go out of control right now. We talked about this last season, and a lot of times it felt it felt like the offensive drives were had to be way too methodical given who was at quarterback. And this isn't a Jimmy Garoppolo thing. It's also a Nick Mullen, C.J. Beathard thing, right? They always had to be, like, perfect on offense. Like, they had to have these, like, 12, 13-play drives and they couldn't afford any penalties or sacks because as soon as they were in these like down and distance situations that were long, they were screwed because there just wasn't a playmaker at quarterback. And just the explosive plays that you hit on with Trey Lance, right? That's going to just open up so much because now all of a sudden you've got these chunk plays that you were missing last season that only makes it that much easier for your offense. And those chunk plays now will come in different ways. They'll come because Trey Lance has a cannon for an arm and can hit guys down the field deep. It can come because he has the legs to make a, you know, a giant play on the ground. And all of a sudden, you know, what's what needed to be like a 12 play 75 yard drive is now like a six play 75 yard drive or something like that. Right. And I think that element is what's been the separating factor maybe in terms of how they're covered uh, through a, through the first week of of training camp practices. Cause it just seems like Lance has hit on some of these bigger plays. And that was the wild play, I think, from the OTAs too, right? Where he made, you know, Trey Lance got to like the third progression and hit George Kittle on like the corner route or something like that. And that's just kind of been what's missing from maybe Jimmy Garoppolo's game, even if he's just been as efficient and as, you know, as accurate as he always has been. Now the, you know, you're comparing against just a physically more explosive athlete. Whereas before you were comparing against maybe Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard or whatever. And and the difference is kind of more obvious now. Yeah, I would say the difference is, and we talked about this a little bit before we got on here. uh, Jimmy is hitting the guy, like hitting the tight end on a quick out route. He's hitting the running back in the flat. Whereas obviously they're running the same plays. Instead, Lance would wait for the defenders to come up on that first level. And he'd hit the tight end on a corner route instead of, um, the out route. He'd hit the wide, wide receiver who's sitting 12 yards over the middle instead of throwing the quick out route. So he's taking what's there at the second level, which is going to eat defenses. Like it's going to be so tough to stop this team, knowing that there's this much space, knowing that they have to react to the 49ers running game and lands. And as far as progressions go, yeah, it's, it's, you would not have, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know which one was a rookie based on you know, how they're getting through their progressions because there, there's a lot of stare down from all of the quarterbacks. But I would say out of out of the four, uh, Jimmy G, Rosen, Sudfield and Lance, that Lance just feels looks like the most comfortable guy getting through his progressions. He had a touchdown the other day that was a really impressive throw where they're near the red zone and he went to his third progression. So they're running a stick concept. You have number two running an out route. You have number three running a curl route or a hitch. And then you have number two out of empty running a backside slant. So he goes from one to two, doesn't like what he saw, has the wherewithal to go across the field to the backside slant, 
hits him in time, in stride. So I think that's important to point out because it wasn't as if he was late. It wasn't as if he was, you know, holding the ball forever. It was probably like two, two and a half seconds where um, didn't like what he saw, came back to Sanu, and they hit him in stride. So that is a type of eyes that he has. That's the type of pocket progression that he has. And you kind of saw that with the long pro day throw on Tuesday where um, he just, he's going, that wasn't the first read at all. And he, he ended up getting there. He ended up going, progressing from deep or short to deep. And he's just making plays. And I think that's, um, that's another big part. And while he'll probably, why he will probably be on the field sooner than later. And when I say sooner than later, I'm, I'm talking, you know, sometime, probably within the first month of the season. I'm not going to say that he's going to be the starter week one, but it it's pretty clear that he's he's just going to be tough to keep off the field based on what we've seen so far. Agreed. That, seem, that seems to be the consensus among everyone that's at training camp. And then the other thing is people are trying to pigeonhole that into, okay, should he be the week one starter or not? And uh, make it seem like it's a competition between Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. And you and I had talked about this before, and we talked about it today before we hit record. I think it's a Trey Lance competition against himself. I think when Kyle Shanahan feels that Trey Lance is ready and that when Trey Lance gives his team the best chance to win, they're going to play Trey Lance. And I think that's going to be, you know, irrelevant um, or, ir, you know, doesn't take into consideration how Jimmy Garoppolo is playing, right? Jimmy Garoppolo could be playing well. He could be just good enough for this team to win, especially early on because they, you know, played two bad teams uh, early on in the season. But if Kyle Shanahan feels, you know, a month in or three weeks in or six weeks in that Trey Lance is now ready, I think they'll make the move whenever that is. So more than a competition between those two guys, it's more of just how does Trey Lance look and is he ready enough to just hit the ground running? I, I get the fan excitement over Lance. I mean, why wouldn't you be? It's the most physically gifted quarterback your team has had since probably Colin Kaepernick. And, you know, they traded three first. No problem. Okay, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. (laughs) And they traded three first-round picks to go get him, and they mortgaged the future, all that stuff. And so why wouldn't you want to see this player play? And I get that. And I think Kyle Shanahan's just being prudent and wise in his approach. And I think they're going to do the right thing for the team when that comes. And, you know, the players on the team will also buy into that. I think they can start to feel the momentum shift a little bit just based on the way, you know, Trent Sherfield called him a baller. Fred Warner had some good things to say about him on in Peter King's article earlier in the weekend. Um, you know, just the buzz seems to be, you know, turning a little bit and a little bit more positive towards Trey Lance. Um, and eventually, once the team kind of recognizes that and they can kind of rally around him, and then it's a matter of Kyle Shanahan and the offensive staff feeling confident in putting him in full time. Why do you think that there's so much resistance on social media to the fact that just the possibility of Lance being better, because I'm trying to be as objective as I can when I'm watching this, because when I'm watching football, I don't care what happens. I'm just telling you what happens. I'm not rooting for one thing or the other, but it's pretty evident that, you know, whether it is you're a Trey Lance, you know, Homer or you're a Jimmy G Stan, that you want either guy to, take the job in my mind if you are a fan of the team you should just want the best player to play if that's jimmy so be it if that's trey so be it so when we say something um there's always pushback no matter what for example uh somebody on trey lance's throw which was the pro day throw somebody said oh that's terrible defense what wait what are you talking about other times um if even if it's jimmy g they'll they'll come back and say he did this or he did that or he should have done this but no, like he like he's doing fine. He's doing OK. But why do you think there's so much resistance to 
you know, whatever the takes that are being tweeted out by the media are. I think the pushback always comes back to, you know, just bias. And you come into the situation with an opinion or you take a stance very early on that you're going to defend Jimmy or you hope that Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy or you hope Trey Lance is the guy come week one. And so you kind of look at how they perform through that lens. And it's always confirmation bias, right? If you're supporting Trey Lance, you see him make that throw and all of a sudden you're super hyped and you're you're thinking, oh, he's going to start week one. He's going to take him to the Super Bowl. Or if you think, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy this season that they shouldn't have taken Trey Lance, whatever, then you're looking for, you know, the confirmation bias in that and you'll take, you know, satisfaction when Garoppolo does something well. So I think it just stems from that. But luckily, the guy that actually has the decision to make, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, coaching staff, whatever, doesn't think along those lines, right? Hopefully he's thinking along the lines of, hey, what's best for this football team, you know, this season moving forward, et cetera. And let me go ahead and make that decision. And I think the players, coaches, everybody has that confidence in Kyle that, hey, he will make the right decision when that time comes. It's not something he's going to botch, even if he hasn't necessarily been in this situation before as a head coach. And I think they trust him in that spot. And that's all that matters. And if you're a fan of the team, you just like you said, you, you should want what's best for the team, which ultimately at the end of the day, all that matters is wins and losses. As long as the team wins, it shouldn't necessarily matter who's on the field, who's doing what, et cetera, right? And I think that's what it comes down to. And you just put your faith in the coaching staff that they will do what's best for the team to contribute to W's on Sunday because that's all that matters. Yeah, Shanahan again reiterated on Tuesday that Trey Lance is going to start when he feels like Trey Lance gives the best, the 49ers the best chance to win. So that will happen. It is probably going to happen in 2021. Whenever it happens, it happens. So I think that is just the easiest way to see it. Like we, everybody will be able to see for themselves when the when preseason starts. And I know it's preseason, but you'll be able to see the difference. You'll be able to see how the quarterbacks look. And Jimmy could go, you know, he could never throw an incompletion. He could throw all kind of touchdowns. If he does that, then he's going to be the starter. If Trey Lance practices like he had or plays like he's been practicing, it's go, there's, there's probably going to be an outcry and there's probably going to be people – wanting him to play sooner than later. But uh, John Lynch told Adam Schefter that Jimmy has looked the best he's ever or best since he's been here. Um, there, Why is there this need to pump up? And what? And it, it could be Trey Lance because the same thing's happening for Lance where uh, the hyperbole is getting kind of out of control uh, for him as well because I think he's been good, but he hasn't been this. Uh, somebody said he, uh, he, they heard that pa- Trey Lance is Patrick Mahomes 2.0. Yeah. Which come on, man! Like, why? Why do we have to take it there? Like, we don't. We can be even. Like, we can be level-headed about this. But um, for for John Lynch to say that a week into practice, when the media has been there, knowing that there have been these, you know, same old pick sixes, same old fadeaway interceptions, and just certain misses that he has, um, there's no reason for that, man. Because we're all watching. We could all see. Why? What? What are Lynch's intentions by doing that? To increase every bit of trade value that Jimmy Garoppolo has. I mean, John Lynch, Stanford guy. He's been around the block in this league, about to be a Hall of Famer next week. He, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's the team spokesman as much as he is the general manager. And one of his priorities probably right now is to boost any, and you know, if Jimmy Garoppolo has any trade value, is to increase it. And how does he do that? Well, he gets on Adam Schefter's podcast and he says Jimmy Garoppolo's looked the best he's ever been which you've been at training camp and we've talked about this just isn't isn't the truth right he's made 
He's made plays that he's made in the past, uh, good and bad. But I think it's a stretch or you know an exaggeration to say that he's the best he's ever looked. Um, just watching him from afar, it looks like his demeanor has you know shifted a little bit. He seems more confident. Uh, it seems like his personality is outwardly showing a little bit more, whether it was the swearing a week ago or whether it was the joking around about Fred Warner's contract today. It just seems like he's being more himself and being more authentic. But I'm not sure if that necessarily means he's the best he's ever been on the field necessarily. And the just the stats from the 11-on-11 team drills would, would show you that, right? And so I just think it's the 49ers trying to boost any trade value that Jimmy Garoppolo could have in the event that a trade suitor potentially opens up, whether, you know, a lot of people thought that would be the Colts, but I don't, I don't think that's a possibility. Maybe that's Houston. If they were to move Deshaun Watson or some other team uh, that's a contender, maybe loses their starting quarterback for the season, whatever the case is, you want to protect Garoppolo's trade value at all times, make it seem like he's outperforming Trey Lance during training camp and just play it from there. And I think in conjunction, they're also downplaying what Trey Lance is doing on the field. And maybe they're being a little bit more honest, like you mentioned, and maybe it's a little bit of media exaggeration, but they're definitely not being super complimentary or, you know, giving him all the first team reps or anything like that. And they're trying to create this sort of narrative or story that Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy. He's playing really well. He's going to be back this season, 2021. They're going to try to repeat 2019. And just try to get some other team to buy into that. But, you know, you know what it is. It doesn't matter what he says or what Kyle says. It's It matters what Jimmy does on the field. And you've been there to witness that for the past week. And so you know what the truth is. And that isn't it. Yeah, Jimmy looks like Jimmy is what I would say. Like, we, we all know what we're getting with Jimmy. And people thought that he would take another step forward because – he was in Kyle Shanahan's offense for another year. Like, how many years does it take to learn the offense? What at what age do you think a player is going to stop growing as a player? Because he's twenty nine. Like this, this is who he is, and I think it's it's time to stop thinking that you know he's going to leap into this superstar type of quarterback, and that's just not who he is. So I will say the 49ers, and we can talk about uh, the wide receiver three here because they do have some weapons around him, around Jimmy and around Trey Lance. And there are some guys who are stepping up. And Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are the clear-cut number one and two guys. And Ayuk looks better than ever. He looked better than last year. He looks a little bit stronger. Um, He just looks more comfortable, I guess I would say. Debo Samuel was looking – I'm not going to say he's looking faster, but um, he's just so fast that I'm always going to say that. And Mohamed Sanu seems like he has a firm grasp on the wide receiver three position. But I would say that he's more so of a slot guy, like a big power slot, as the Athletics Nate Tice coined it. So with Debo out on Tuesday, Trent Sherfield was actually the guy to take his spot and not Sanu with the first team. And I think that I thought that was pretty interesting because Sherfield can flat out run like he can really, really run. But he's not just a speed guy. I think he's a guy who. Uh, who showed today he can make contested catches. Um, He can get open at the intermediate level. And he's just a a very reliable guy. I think the biggest difference, well, I would say first that he is who everybody wants Richie James to be. And I would say, you know, he doesn't drop the ball, which is a big thing. And that's kind of the point of the sport. Richie James. Yep. (laughs) You have to catch the ball if you want to play wide receiver. Um, He can create for himself. Obviously, he had the, the long touchdown. Uh, that was courtesy of Trey Lance, but he's made plays for Jimmy. He's made plays with uh, with each quarterback, and he just seems like a reliable target that the 49ers can count on. 
And they haven't got we haven't gotten to Jalen Hurd yet, who, uh, as I mentioned, he finally stepped onto the team uh, team drill. So eventually he's going to work with the first teamers. And I imagine by the next time we record, we'll have some info on, you know, how Hurd is looking. But uh, the weapons are great. And even like Ross Dwelly looks really good. So they're they're tar- they've been targeting him a lot, and he, I mean he's he's hung on to some passes. Fred Warner called him one of the best players on the team. He did say that, which was like, oh yeah. wow, and that was Fred a Warner doesn't go out of his way to say things like that about random guys. It's not like you know Richard Sherman did a lot of that, you know, the past few years where he would throw praise on every- Just gas gassing everybody, everybody up. Fred Warner yeah. never did that. So for him to talk about True. Ross Dwelly, considering you know what what Fred Warner brings to the table as a coverage linebacker, was really impressive. Uh, especially considering what we've seen out of Dwelly the past few years. If you had no, like if you had never watched a 49ers game or practice before and these last couple of days were your first exposures, like you would think he was a starting tight end uh, just because like he's getting the target. Like they're not throwing the ball to Kittle. And I imagine, I don't know if they're being coached not to or what, like we already know what he's going to do, but I think Kittle has like three catches in a week. Um, whereas Dwelly has like five or six a day. Uh, he No, he isn't proud. Like he makes... He makes like some spectacular catches out here. Like he's making one-handers. He's making diving plays where he's contorting his body. It is really impressive. So, and he goes like he goes against him in one-on-one. So I can see why Warner would say that. And um, yeah, he's just another weapon for the team. And that's before we get into the running game. So they're they're going to score some points. So um, as of now, I would say it's Sanu, and it is Sherfield, and that's going to be the the next wave of receivers to come in. I think those two are going to be locks to make the team. Richie James probably makes the team because he does add uh, – he is a special teamer. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough for – it's going to be tough for anybody to outdo the the top four of Ayuk, uh, Samuel, and Sherfield, and then Sanu, of course. So, which is like – yeah, that's a strong – that's a strong top four. So, um, and then that goes without, you know, before we get into the tight end. So, it is good to see there. We have breaking news. The 49ers, who don't have any cornerbacks on the roster, just signed B.W. Webb. So um, they had Dre Kirkpatrick in for a visit and for a workout. And supposedly they did not uh, reach. Well, obviously, they didn't reach terms. And it it was likely due to a contract because the 49ers probably offered him uh, like uh, what in and out and like what else could they offer him at this point? There's, they don't have any money uh, to spend where a veteran like Kirkpatrick who played a lot of, who has played a lot of football uh, didn't sign. So uh, they ended up signing BW Webb who started 12 games in 2019 for the Bengals. He did not play in 2020. He also started 13 in 2018 and then eight uh, in 2016. So he has plenty of starting experience. He's been around the NFL for a while. I don't know if he's going to be anything to write home about. Uh, the team's currently missing you know, Mosley, Tim Harris, and Dante Johnson. So they need bodies. It's been Ken Webster. Like you, Nobody knows who these names are playing when you're on the field. It's been Ken Webster who wears number 40. That's all you need to know about him. Any cornerback in the 40s, you just you, you throw at him every time. Yep, exactly. If you're on the field. Sorry, Eric Crocker. No, that is great. And Eric, I am talking to you when I say this. If you are on the field and Jimmy Garoppolo is looking, he scans one side of the field, one cornerback is wearing number two. He scans the other side of the field, 
one quarterback is wearing number 40. Guess where he has gone each time? You are correct. Number 40. And guess what happened when they did that? They got a first down. So just don't wear 40s. But anyway. We knew it was um, that simple. You have Deom Dorlin. <laughs> yeah, right. You have Deom Lenore, and you have Ambry Thomas. And they've been splitting reps with Ken Webster. But they've just been cycling. Like sometimes one player just gets pulled after one play. When that happens, that means they did something wrong. Um, I think they really want somebody to take a hold of that position, and it just hasn't happened yet. Uh, they tried to give Tim Harris a chance before he was injured, and he was just getting cooked by Ayuk. But, I, I mean, to be fair, those are the receivers who's going to be going up against, like those quality receivers. So, I mean, if he's struggling, like struggling, struggling with Ayuk, then he's probably not going to last in the NFC West. Yeah, you got to cover A.J. Green or DeAndre Hopkins or Tyler Lockett or D.K. Metcalf or Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. You got to cover one of these guys, right? And so if you can't keep up with IU, you're, yeah, it's not going to be pretty on Sunday. Uh, and, and then you have the rookies. So the bar is not going to be very high just because, you know, of where they were selected. But early on here, it seems pretty clear, like in my opinion, that Diamondor Lenore just looks more comfortable than Ambry Thomas. Ambry Thomas had a, just a hard time staying in phase with these guys where Lenore is just a, a bit more patient. I think he, he finds the ball a little easier. So my early take would be that you would think Lenore was the third rounder and Thomas was the sixth rounder, yeah. I believe he was. So we'll see if that changes. We'll see what happens when the pads come on because, you know, it, it's pretty easy to look silly in the preseason and especially in a cornerback, especially for a rookie cornerback. So uh, they're going to have a chance. Hopefully Mosley gets back soon and none of this matters because Mosley is superior than B.W. Webb, who, again, he didn't play football in 2020. Neither did Ambry Thomas. There's a reason so, he's available in late August or early August. Also true. Also true, yeah, and and <laughs> if he didn't play football again. So speaking of, still haven't still haven't seen anything. This is just a quick sidebar. Still haven't gotten anything from Tony Jefferson early on. I had high expectations for him. I I didn't think that he was gonna cut. You know, I was gonna get here and Tony Jefferson was gonna be like the next Honey Badger, but he just really hasn't done anything. And to be fair, he is wearing number forty one. Just throwing that out there, man. Never know, but. Outside of Jason Verrett and Jimmy Ward, you're just not getting much in the secondary so far. Jaquaski Tart's still out. Um, Tavon Wilson's fine. Like I like the way he just talks crap to everybody, but he's not really making any plays. Um, but he's he's more so playing around the line of scrimmage and just plugging things up. So uh, secondary is going to be secondary is going to be a question mark. There's no doubt about it. I think there's I think it's probably time to stop pretending that's the case because when they throw to number two side. Like he just breaks everything up. There's there's not much you can do. When they throw to the other side, it's like free money. Like that's where all these big plays are coming from. So um, I, I I'd be a little bit concerned. But again, when Mosley gets out there, hopefully before the preseason game starts, so he can you know start getting reps with the first team, uh, they will be good. Also, real quick, Nick Bosa will be there on the field, I imagine. So that will cover up a lot of your rookie cornerback. Go ahead. I was just going to add that it sounds a lot like last season when Richard Sherman went down and obviously Jason Verrett stayed healthy. He locked down one side, but the other side was just a rotating door between Akella Witherspoon, who flashed late in the season. Manuel Mosley was kind of in and out. He had some injury issues. Uh, they put Dante Johnson out there for a little bit, but corner was an issue last season. We thought it would be an issue this year, just if Verrett and Mosley couldn't stay healthy. And I get, I get Mosley's on the COVID list, not necessarily an injury, but still, um, and yeah, the depth behind them is just it's just thin. You've got rookies, but they weren't highly drafted rookies. They were mid-round rookies, so the expectations are lower, like you mentioned. And you just got to see if one of these guys is able to stick 
uh, beyond Mosley, right? Because otherwise you're banking on those two guys to stay healthy uh, for 17 games. And that's a lot of pressure, especially on Jason Verrett, um, who's had an injury history in the past uh, outside of last season. So it is a concern. I think that and maybe the depth at edge, maybe that might be less of a concern if D Ford is able to stay explosive and stay healthy. So yeah, a few of these positions are of concern, even though the main focus for most people seem to be at quarterback. Um, still a really, really good roster, but some of these depth positions do concern me. Yeah, I mean, there's been guys that have been banged up, like Debo had the leg soreness. Uh, Samson Ebukam had, uh, I forgot what it was, but he missed practice on Monday. He was back up there on Tuesday, so that was good to see. But yeah, they, if one guy goes down at some of these positions, it could be it could die bad, fast. Bad. And cornerback... Yeah, like cornerback is not one of those positions you want that to happen. So even with Verrett, they're banking on him staying healthy where, you know, we have one season of that. And obviously, you know, you hope the further away from injury he is, the healthier his body gets. But uh, he looks great. You just, you know, you want to knock on wood and hope that he just stays healthy because he is a he's clearly one of the best players. We were there to witness rock bottom last year with Brian Allen starting at uh, outside cornerback. So I imagine it can't get any worse than that this season. So uh, I'm sure I'm sure they're prepared for those type situations. But Nonetheless, we have anything else to add? We got uh, there's padded practices the rest of the week. Uh, Kyle will be there live, providing some fantastic coverage uh, Wednesday through Saturday, I believe. And then they're they're off, off and going. Yeah, just see, just gonna see if anybody else steps up is what is what I'm kind of looking for. You know, Trent Sherfield was a, a pleasant surprise for sure because that would have been the last person you would have you would have drawn drawn out of a hat to say. Yo, like he's going to he's going to look like one of the better players on the field. And, and there are guys that we haven't talked about. Uh, the linebacker core just looks really, really good, like a strong, strong position. Um, even with Al Shire going down, Jonas Griffith looks like he's going to make the team um, there. Are, it, it seems like they have an interception every day, whether it's, you know, Josh Rosen throwing the ball right to them or they're actually making a play. But um, it's a strong position. So. Um, still need a cornerback, though. There's no doubt about it. Go ahead. I was going to say, we probably laughed at the Trent Sherfield signing whenever it happened because we probably looked at his stats. And we're like, ah, this guy has 28 catches in three seasons with the Cardinals, whatever. Like, is he even going to make the team kind of thing? And uh, now look, you know, a week into training camp, he's been an impact player. So that's what this that's what this time of year is all about. Some of these, you know, uh, underrated, you know, uh, guys just stepping up and proving themselves and earning uh, jobs on the 53-man roster. So one of the cool parts about the sport. Yeah, he was a fun interview. He was very candid. He was very refreshing. Just to, just honest and, and talked about why he chose the 49ers. Um, have something up, up on NinersNation.com. Go check out Trent Sherfield and why he made some noise because he, he's the guy. So thanks, as always. We will be back next week with, you know, hopefully there's another guy who stepped up. Hopefully it's, you know, D'Amador Lenore. Hopefully it's Another receiver. Hopefully it's Jalen freaking Hurd so the legend can grow. I want the hype train for Jalen Hurd to be out of control. That's what I want the most. Comeback player of the year, Jalen Hurd. Yes. Make that bet, folks. Please rate, subscribe, review, wherever it is you give your podcast. Leave us five stars. And as always, go team, go Niners.